what I have found over my career in many, many different ways is it doesn't matter how much money we make or how many clients we have, because if those other things are not connected, we're not going to be fulfilled, joyful, happy, or have well-being. And if we can rearrange the order of the way we focus on things, then we can have exponential growth. And so then, then we can really drill down and focus on the business side after that. Hello, and welcome to Mighty Talks Podcast. I'm Leslie, and here at Mighty Talks, we're dedicated to providing an outlet, support system, resources, and education to all those suffering from some sort of prolonged physical or emotional pain. Mighty Talks will allow you to bring power back to your life by optimizing overall health and wellness. We are here to live our best life together. No more excuses, no more hiding, and no more suffering. We're here to finally take control, advocate, and allow you to achieve your greatest desires. So join along in conversation. And if you like what you hear, please hit the like and follow button. Hello and welcome everybody. I am so happy to have you back and well today we have an awesome episode headed your way. Here with me today though is Heather J. Kreider. She is an accountant by education but in reality she says her actual training has been in real life. She's worked in the corporate world for many many years and she also has been an independent business owner for almost two decades. She is absolutely obsessed with neuroscience and how the brain works, and she uses that knowledge to enhance the lives of individuals, businesses, corporations, and entrepreneurs. She founded the Heather J. Kreider and Company, where she coaches executives and individuals on how to live successful and fulfilled lives. She incorporates mindfulness and neurocoaching when she consults, allowing people to be better versions of themselves through emotional intelligence. Her absolute passion is in helping improve the lives of others. In addition, Heather has been featured in Forbes, USA Today, and Thrive Global. On top of all of that, she is a mom of two, health and wellness advocate, and a prime female speaker. She is truly a superwoman. So please join along grab a notebook, take a few notes, and enjoy today's episode. And allow me to once again welcome Heather Kreider, connecting you to greater success, wealth, and fulfillment. Hi, Heather. Hello there. (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. So excited to have you here. How have you been? I'm fantastic. I'm just so incredibly grateful that the sun is shining right now and we're all healthy. So that's good. Exactly. Right. It's like, it's been like Seattle here lately. I've, I'm so over the rain. I agree. I've said for months that to live in Scotland or you know I'm not a wet weather kind of person at all so I've been following you on social media and you seem crazy busy every time I see you post something you're 
onto a new conference or you're starting a new project or you're, I mean, it, it amazes me because you are just on top of everything. It seems. Well, I appreciate you saying that. Um, some days I don't feel quite like that, but it's, it's been good. It's been really good. I've been very blessed over my whole career, quite frankly. And the past few years have been really, really taken off in ways that I've been planning for, to be honest. So it's good. It's good. That's amazing. And I know a little bit about you. We met several years ago, but why don't you tell us a little bit about you and what the Heather Jake Ryder and company does? Yeah. Thank you for asking. So the the quickest, easiest way (laughs) (laughs) to explain is we really just focus on high performance growth and creating three three major things. So we we connect we connect businesses, business owners, and individuals to their goals, their dreams, and their clients. So I kind of look at it as a bullseye. The outer layer, which is we can connect you to your clients through business, through digital marketing. We have a digital marketing arm that. As you know, Leslie, that's partially how how we first met, um, just in building businesses. So we do lots of various things there, um, just really connecting business owners to their clients. But then the middle layer is a little bit more driven internally, taking a look at the business owner, their employees, the entire network and looking at the mission and vision and making sure that all of those things are in alignment. And then the most important part of the entire bullseye is the center. And that's really where we focus most on is the individuals and creating clarity, creating focus and creating results. So business, most people really, there's two things making sure we make more money and making sure we get more clients. And what I have found over my career in many, many different ways is it doesn't matter how much money we make or how many clients we have, because if those other things are not connected, we're not going to be fulfilled, joyful, happy, or have well-being. And if we can rearrange the order of the way we focus on things, then we can have exponential growth and so then, then we can really drill down and focus on the business side after that. I love that. I love, I just love following you because I feel like you're kind of this persona. You not only try to help build up other people and other people's businesses, but like you said, you take it into a whole aspect, this like mindful, greater well-being. Um, like you said, everybody wants to make money and build what they have. But I think if you can do that and have an overwhelming sense of happiness and prosperity, I think is wonderful. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And, you know, I, I, I won't go into all the nitty gritty of my whole career, <laughs> but I've, I've been through it. I've seen all perspectives and at the end of the day, we're just people who want to have happy, fulfilled lives. That's the simple way, but it's always the truth. And I've seen the good and the bad and the ugly of all perspectives. And I've been there myself and driven by things that didn't fulfill me. So 
you know, especially now over the past few months, I think people have had an opportunity to sit back and reflect and look at what's important. We've been forced as a world, as humanity, we've really been forced into doing that. And I'm keeping my fingers crossed for as many people as possible to take that in a positive way and really take a look at what is meaningful and impactful and how we can grow to be better individuals. Couldn't agree more. I, I even said to, I said to quite a few people when the whole quarantine um, had started that for years, I always blamed the fact that I never had time <laughs> <laughs> to do things. And then now it's like, you know, the first week or two, I, I felt so unproductive because I had time. <laughs> and now I'm like, Oh, it's awesome. I think you do get to take a step back and like you said, find meaning in little things and also to reassess what, what you do every day. And like, Hey, I really don't like that. I did that every day. <laughs> so for me, I think that's, it's been kind of a blessing behind all of the craziness of it all. Absolutely. And being forced into it is never, never a good thing, but being forced into it is sometimes what we need. And, you know, it's <laughs> the, there's so many sayings about time, but we make time for what's important. And this whole, I don't have time excuse has always frustrated me because, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, we, we all have the same amount of time in, in, in any given day and we choose, we have the ability to choose and, Sometimes we choose things that we shouldn't and, and, and it's just, it's all reflection. It really is, but that's, that's what it's about. So good for you for kind of readjusting. <laughs> Absolutely. And you always post and I find them very motivating, but the ability to keep learning throughout age and wanting to grow and learn and its importance. And I know on your website, you talk about, when you teach and you coach individuals and companies and groups that it's important to want to learn and to educate. And I know for you, you use a different aspect as far as mindfulness and neuroscience. And I guess for me, I actually just started an audible. It's about neuroscience because you intrigued me, but why do you love mindfulness and neuroscience so much? Oh, that's a long <laughs> answer. <laughs> that's a super long answer. And, you know, the, the truth is, number one, it's, it's just ridiculously fascinating. And mm -hmm. we have this thing in our head that <laughs> many don't know how to use <laughs> and, and many uh, use too much. But, you know, the truth is, is we've got these very complex brains and these systems that that are designed to keep us alive and functioning, but we don't know much about. And neuroscience has really become much more popular over the past decade or so. And peer review journals and research studies have increased significantly. And it's think science is catching up. The principles, the, the fundamentals of mindfulness of well-being, really taking these types of practices. They've been around literally forever. And in our modern time, it's taken really the past 30 years, we've had significant increase in 
normal day-to-day people being able to grasp some of these things without it being too woo-woo-y, you know, mm-hmm. like just, sure. just thinking about meditation. The, 30 years ago, if somebody were to talk about meditation, you would either have to be, you know, a hippie from another country or a monk, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's becoming more common now. So for me, the, the real answer to your question is, I've just been on my own personal journey and I don't really know where or how it started. It wasn't a, it wasn't an obvious light bulb moment for me. It was a combination of things that happened to me in my childhood and experiences that I had really made me want to become a better person. It made me want to learn, learn how to be better, learn how to rise above your own personal circumstances And so I just kind of, I've kind of kept that and just developed an ability to grow and to learn. Um, But I've had my own struggles too. I've, I've dealt with anxiety and depression my whole life. And so really trying to understand how the brain works, trying to understand stress, trying to understand just how it all works together between your body. But Neuroscience really is a foundational piece of that because science is showing and proving that this just isn't all this foo-foo-y stuff just isn't foo-foo-y stuff. You know, it it really has evidence base behind it. And so I think that gives a lot of validity to doing things that maybe seem a little more fluffy or, you know, emotional intelligence skills are necessary, but we're just not taught them. So anyway, it's a, it's a long way to answer your question. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I'm just super fascinated by it. And I've seen firsthand, obviously within my own life, but in my clients and in other people as well, just how effective when you start to really understand Um, and the research is fascinating and it's, it's getting better. I know. I, you know, the brain is, is just, just that it's very fascinating. And I am always enthralled with how, you know, some people can overcome challenges and other people can't and how we get through struggles and difficulties in life can sometimes define where we end up or how we become. So, and sometimes it's the hard things in life that challenge us to be a better person. So I know for me, it's the whole emotional intelligence, mindfulness, meditation has become a daily part of my life. And I know for you, it definitely has as well in many aspects. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think it's fantastic. And so I congratulate you for being open-minded to be able to do that. It really, really is fantastic. And, you know, to, to your point about decisions, that's really what it boils down to. If we can understand how we're thinking and really just stop and have some reflection but there's so many things going on. And from a neuroscience perspective, once you start understanding why your brain is doing certain things and why your reactions are the way they are, then you've got a chance to dial it down or dial it back even. And we're so programmed and we're so conditioned, you know, and I'll, I'll, 
kind of give a, a, a little example. I'm, I mentioned that some of the things that happened in my childhood created me to have an ability to look and learn, but I learned some really bad habits. I learned to be ultra, ultra heightened. And that's why anxiety is, is such a difficult thing for me because I've just learned to be in such a high anxiety state constantly. So because that's, that's how I learned as a child, what tends to happen then is your brain stays in that mode so much that it can't distinguish between what's real, what's perceived, what's a memory, you know, what, what even, even things that are good stress, your brain can't distinguish because it's so used to this ultra heightened state. And that's really what our world is now. It's, it's called a VUCA sure. world. It's a highly volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous world. And so it, what that does is it puts our brain in this mode of consistent reaction to stress where you just, you don't know any other way. So the more that we understand and uncover how the brain's actually working, then we can start to manage those better and manage our reactions in different way where we learn to respond and not react. And so that mm -hmm. those are really why the strategies are so impactful and why understanding neuroscience can help with that. Oh, that's so wonderful. In fact, you just started, and I really like this, uh, the 77 day mindfulness journey, which you've been posting on. I know I follow on Instagram and Facebook. Love it. You actually had one. I, I you know, I kind of get everything mixed up. I don't know if it was part of the mindfulness journey or if it was something else you posted, but it clicked with me because I had just the same experience earlier that day, but you had talked about how you had, I think, hit your elbow. And you immediately said, ouch. And I'm like, and I'm like, how often do I do that? And you were like, did that really hurt? Did it not? I, why did I say ouch? And I, and I think like how many times does that happen in a day? Not necessarily with something painful, but with anything, like, why did I respond in that way? I don't, I don't necessarily think I felt pain, but I did say, ouch, just as you had described. And so the, in that like simple comment, I was like, wow, wow. Like I, I have no idea why I did that. Yeah. But I've created this habit, this routine. And I, I do appreciate you making that comment because I think it made me internally think about why I'm doing the things that I'm doing. That's, that's the key right there, Leslie. And, you know, it's, <laughs> It's not funny, but it kind of is because we get mm -hmm. into such patterns and I'm a big proponent of what you think matters. And you can take that into so many different ways, but that's it. I mean, that's the key right there is just stopping and thinking for a moment. And, and there's so many people who are ridiculously intellectual and think that they're just crazy smart and they are, but they don't think. And those are very different things, mm -hmm. you know, but yep. that's, a, that's exactly it's conditioning. And those are the patterns. Um, and it reminds me, I remember being in junior high, one of my best friends, we were in a department store and she bumped into a mannequin 
And she was like, oh, excuse me, I'm so sorry. And it was such an <laughs> automatic response. I remember uh-huh. that day so clearly because I was like, "Who? why did you just say that to a mannequin? You bump into uh-huh. a mannequin and you, you know, very polite of you, of course, but it just, right. I always think about that just in those automatic responses and, mm-hmm. you know, they're just... This is where focus comes into play because, yeah, if I bump my elbow and I say, ow, that's not that big of a deal, right? But if I have this learned pattern where something is a big deal and my knee-jerk reaction can hurt me, harm someone else, or create a situation that I don't really desire, that's when it's a problem. So these little things that, you know, yeah, we can, we can joke about and over the grand scheme of thing, yeah, me saying, ouch, when I bumped my knee or my elbow when it didn't hurt whatsoever, yeah, it's really insignificant, but it's how we're training our brain to react that is significant. So what I mean by that, it's, that's where mindfulness comes into play. And I can't, I can't remember I know that post that you're talking about, but I can't remember, you know, what lesson I attached it to that particular day, but everything comes back to time. And when I mean time, I just mean space because the moment something happens versus the moment that you actually respond, that space is what gives us the power of how we're the, the, how the result is going to be. And it can be positive or it can be negative. And if we uh, just allow ourselves a moment to see it, it's almost like an outer body experience. Um, the movie, Dr. Strange, I don't know if you've ever seen that, but when he yes. gets pushed by the ancient one, he, the, one of the very first times that he gets pushed out of his body into this astral body and He's observing and, you know, he's freaking out, but he can see himself. I kind of look at this space as that moment where you've got just a second to analyze and, and just think to yourself, is this actually painful? How am I going to respond? Should I respond at all? And in, in certain situations, that moment is so powerful because if I'm in an, in a situation that's hostile and I respond in a positive or negative way, it, it, you know, it sometimes can mean life or death. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, I love the mindfulness, the 77 day mindfulness journey, because I think every day kind of jives together, but it's a new topic each day. And it's kind of made me assess what I did the last 24 hours, why I did it and what I can do differently the following day. And I, the elbow post, obviously that really connected with me, but I also just like the posts where you talk about engaging in conversation and not, you know, somewhat listening and responding in, in a few short words. And then, like you said, take back and say, did I really actually pay attention to that conversation or did I respond? Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Fine. But could you actually regurgitate what the other person had talked about? And I think, I know I've, I'm so guilty. I'm surrounded by five different gadgets and three different emails and I'm trying to balance 
10 different things that sometimes I, I, I know I don't fully engage myself with people that I know should deserve a hundred percent of my attention. So you've helped me by just posting what you do on social media. I love it. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm super happy that that, that that has affected you in a positive way. And, you know, it's this multitasking world that we think that we're good at. Our brains are not designed to multitask. They just aren't. There's a, there's a spot in our brain that's it's the fight or flight response. It's the amygdala. If you put your fingers right on your temples on either side of your forehead, the amygdala is right in the very middle. That's what's designed to protect us. And it's also what keeps us in high anxiety if we're overstressed because it can't distinguish the difference. But the reason I'm saying that is and I'm guilty too. I mean, I'm looking at my desk right now and I have two computers and iPad and a phone. <laughs> but again, it's it's learning how to focus and when. And multitasking, I mean, there's study after study that really looks at multitasking and we're just not as inefficient. It, it's just, it's inefficient to multitask and your brain gets much more exhausted by trying to. So focus, everything comes back to focus. And the all of these skills, we, you know, we teach all of these things and in, in everything I do. And it's funny, years ago, I, I've, I've been in business my whole career. And the I started really developing the human dimension and mindfulness side years ago. But I had a conversation with a business owner and it had nothing to do with about business and everything was about mindset. And this business owner was just exhausted and burned out. And, mm. you know, if we can take care of the way we think and understand these things, then business is a whole lot. Um, I don't really want to say it's simpler, but it becomes simple just by design of learning how to process it in a much more effective way. So that's why I'm such a proponent of to have high performance in anything. I mean, take any athlete, for example, that's all athletes are taught is focus, vision, mindfulness. That is 100% the definition, but in our everyday world, we don't see it quite the same way and, and why not? So mm -hmm. yeah, it's incredibly powerful. I know. And I could totally see how using your company, your services could enhance not only, you know, large companies, but yeah. individuals. I mean, on your social media um, uh, company page, I mean, you're offering free advice by the mindfulness journey in itself is kind of like a, a one-on-one -on -one personal journey. Um, so I think that's super awesome on top of helping corporations. I think there's so many people out there by just following you could benefit and enhance their own, just own individual I life. I love it. Yes. And you were, I know with neuroscience being so big for you, I, if I remember right, you're one of, I think like 500 people to complete a leadership training in yes. neuroscience. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that is so yeah. awesome. So I'm just more. actually wrapping up the final stages of that particular training. And 
it was a training started by Google in the early 2000s. And yeah, Google's and wow. it's it's kind of a hidden hidden gem, if you will, but it's kind of the secret sauce behind Google's success. And they developed the program for everything that we've already talked about. And in the early 2000s, you have to think about how the technology environment was at that time. So stress was huge inside of that corporation. And so they they went and got some Harvard and Stanford neuroscientist, um, John Kabat-Zinn as well, who is kind of the original fore forefather of mindfulness and Daniel Goleman, who wrote the book Emotional Intelligence and other researchers. So they, they assembled all of these people and they created, they wanted a program that was applicable to business leaders who didn't have time to spend a year like me studying neuroscience. They wanted to be able to take it in practical ways, break down fundamentals of mindfulness, neuroscience, emotional intelligence, and put them in digestible bite-sized pieces that could make a significant impact and change rather quickly. So they did, and it was wildly successful inside of Google. And they said, we've got to take this to the world. So they, they, they created mm. a, a program where people like me who have been immersed and, and already have, you know, a certain amount of training could take their principles and then kind of immerse a little bit more. And, and so, so that's what the program is. Um, and so this particular program, it's a, it's a two day curriculum. So I'm certified to teach their two day curriculum again, which is everything we've already been talking about, really understanding mindfulness in a very easy to apply way that anyone, not just a business leader, but anyone, um, and that's their mission. And it's called Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute. And Search Inside Yourself is named extremely appropriately because these are skills that, that everyone needs. But I'm incredibly honored to, to be one of, of the 500 in the world now and to be able to bring this to our community. This, you know, we've in the St. Louis region, we've not had anything like this Um and it's, there's other types of mindfulness programs, but not one this robust and, and certainly not one that has this much neuroscience behind it. Yeah. Wow. That is awesome. Yeah. So good for you. I mean, balancing what you already know on top of, I'm sure, connecting with other people who are focused on the same thing. That's just amazing. Yes. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you. No, and it's, Search Inside Yourself, they actually did a collaboration with uh, Flint, Michigan, with the leaders in Flint, Michigan. So they're really mm -hmm. trying to extend this out again from a civic, from a public and from a corporate perspective, because it can. This morning, actually, I was I was in a training um, with some cohort buddies and we were delivering to just some some public leaders and these skills, it's, it's a huge trickle effect. You know, the more, the more people that have these skills, the more accessible 
resources become, the more innovation, the more creativity, the more productivity, uh, the less stress. I mean, it, it's, this is a, mm -hmm. a huge tool for me. It's all the stuff I've been training and studying and teaching, but it's just, you know, Google <laughs> has packaged it in a little bit different way. And so we're, I'm super excited to be able to incorporate that and just to help, help more people. Absolutely. And on top of having your own company, <laughs> doing this leadership training, I know on your website, you have a regular blog, which I love. And then you have your own podcast. It's called Go Reflect Yourself, which is, I think, the perfect name for what you have to offer. But how <laughs> do you do it all? <laughs> and I am. Too. And they are very, they are very, very <laughs> busy. Um, you know, I think the, the simple answer is when you're connected to something that's meaningful to you and you have a passion, you, you find a way to make it work. Um, and I've been very mm -hmm. fortunate in my career to have developed other skills and in, in collaborating with the right people to, to help achieve things. Um, and I've learned the hard way too. I've, I've done way too, too much on my own and, learn the hard way of the necessity to collaborate, but it really, for me, boils down to being able, I could talk about this stuff all day, every day. So this is not work for me. And being able to mm -hmm. inspire someone and to be able to take, take someone that's a, at a level 10 stress and show them skills to deal. And maybe now they're at a level four or five, and when they get back to a seven or eight, they know how to manage it. That's just a trickle effect. Like mm -hmm. I said, you know, that bleeds into every key aspect of our lives, not just from business, but you've, you know, our personal lives, our, our health, everything bleeds into that. So for me, this is such a necessary message that yeah, I, I want to be able to talk about it all day, every day. And it's, it's not work to me. Um, and even my son, this is really, this really solidified it for me this past year. My, my son, he just turned 12 and he came to me, gosh, I don't remember several months ago. And he said, mom, since you've been doing this mindfulness stuff, you know, they, they say things in such a, a poetic <laughs> way, right? This mindfulness stuff. But he was like, it's really, you know, and, and I'm trying to imitate how he, how he approached it, but he was like, you know, it's really helped me to, and he was so serious. Like he was ridiculously serious. And I'm like, are you, you know, are you okay? What you want? And he's like, no, it's just, it's just really helped me not be so stressed. <laughs> and it, it was it was That's the cutest powerful. thing um because he's a pretty hang, high anxiety high energy little guy and that really meant everything for me it really did and mm -hmm. you know it's things when you preach something you also have to act it and I'm certainly I have much to learn and, and, and much more that I'm going to learn. I will never stop learning, but that really was important to me because I want to be able to display what I'm teaching, not just talk about it. 
Oh, that's, and I think you do just based on, you know, seeing, seeing what you've all done for yourself. I think you absolutely do that for sure. And I think it's important for, like you said, everybody to, I think, learn and be able to reflect and find, find that information I think is important. And I know for me, it's, you know, the last year and a half, I've never really had any health issues. And then I suddenly had this acute onset of pain that unfortunately lasted for a very long period of time. And I think once I was unable to do so many basic things, like you said, I became more anxious. I became more depressed. My outlet of exercising, I could no longer do. And I could find myself in my brain responding in a negative way each time. And finally I said, you know, I can, I can't change what's happening, but I can change how I respond to it. And I told my husband, I said, I really do think that once I change that mental aspect of it, I do feel like I was able to think clearer. I was able to get better. I was able to heal and just overall become a happier person. And I know everything that you've talked about has helped me when I've kind of had bad days to once again, just reflect. And I think find the positive behind it, because in the end, I think not having that mental outlook, it only, I think it only hurts ourselves and our families. So I, I'm so appreciative for all that you share on social media. As well, absolutely. As and I'm, I'm super, I'm super proud and happy that you took that decision for yourself. And, you know, a lot of people feel like that to achieve mindfulness, like it's like it's some destination or especially when people are meditating, mm -hmm. they feel like I can't do it. I'm so frustrated. I'm doing it wrong. I'm not in this euphoric state. That's an impossible expectation. And life is all about, I, I call it harmony because balance, you know, a lot of people talk about how do you balance mm -hmm. everything? I just don't look at it that way. It's about harmonizing and making choices because to have this euphoric state, that's fleeting. There's just moments, just moments. Mm -hmm. and, and those are really, really good moments, but we're not, it's impossible to have those at all times. And it is true that, you know, that, that things, when things are not going so well, that's what makes the good times better. That is definitely true. But these are also opportunities to learn and we have to be able to be in these positions to learn and to grow, but life is not always 100% of the time going to be perfect or rosy. That's just impossible. This weather is a perfect example of that. You know, we, we've had very little sunshine <laughs> yes. over the past few months and it, but how do we adjust, you know, and in what decision are we going to make? and harmonize that day with that lack of sunshine. Um, and it's just that learning exploration. So I think these skills stacked, stacked on top of one another. And 
to be able to take a day and to say, you know, today's not my best and that's okay. It's not, it doesn't mean you, it doesn't mean you as an individual are a horrible, awful person. It just means something happened today that what you weren't at your best and how can you learn from that? That's how we grow. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I think, I think that's everything. We all have bad days and accepting that sometimes it's okay to slow down and take a breath and start back over again, I think is, is like, it a is. And it's how you feel, sure. you know, people don't give enough credit to their feelings and, and truly, truly real feelings, not just a dis in this, this can go in a whole other conversation, but emotions are a big part of obviously our physiological makeup, but our brain is a very emotional thing. And again, the more than we can understand, you know, this does not feel good. I am hungry. You know, these basic survival mm -hmm. things are really what drive us. They drive every single decision we make. So the more that we can really understand our brain, really truly being connected to those feelings also help us to react, to just be in them, be in the moment, you know, anger is an emotion, but it's not a bad one. Just because I'm angry doesn't mean it's a bad feeling or a, I'm a bad person. Some things just tick me off and that's okay. You know, but it's, <laughs> but that's the point is recognizing that and knowing it and choosing what is my response going to be. And am I going to stay in that anger? You know, it's, it's how long and all these other things. So life is about an experience, but it's also really being able to take it all, you know, chunk it down and understand what to do with it. Mm, I love it. And do you have, do you have kind of a morning routine or an evening routine that you find that kind of rejuvenates or motivates for me? Yes. Um, and I will, I will say this, that everybody's different and it's okay. There's a lot mm -hmm. of people out there, especially right now that, that say, if you start your day and you don't meditate and if you don't do this and if you don't do that, you're going to have a bad day. And I don't buy into that. And I want to really <laughs> stress caution with that because I think that sets people up for failure into thinking they're just successes is not going to happen. So I'm saying that because everybody's routine can be different. And it can also, science has shown too, that if you get into too, too much of a habit, it becomes inconsequential. And you have to change, you have to change those things. Mm. So I actually do. I change my routine depending upon the weather. I change my routine in the seasons. Um, for example, in the winter, I usually end my evening with a bath and with some, some quiet journaling. I don't do that as much in the summer for obvious reasons, because I don't really want to take a hot bath, you know. But um, I'm, I'm much more um, weather is, is affects me greatly. And so I know when I need to be outside. So in the evenings or in the mornings, I'll start my day off outside immediately as, as quickly as I can. 
Um, but I'll do different morning routines where I will have different meditations and different exercises. Um, and the evenings, you know, always really try to look at what I'm grateful for, for that day. And maybe some learning lessons that I had for that day, but appreciation, like true appreciation. If I can go to sleep, focusing on true appreciation, then, then my brain waves are, are going to be in a much more positive way and I'll sleep more sound. But if I am dealing with something that I need to process, if I ask myself specific questions towards that thing, problem, an event or something, then my brain waves when I'm actually sleeping will help me try to solve it. So again, everything goes back to mindfulness mm -hmm. and an understanding what your body needs when, how to address things. Maybe I need to journal about something more. There is not a clear cut um, formula. And that's why I said, you know, in caution, just because some expert says you have to meditate <laughs> an hour every morning or you're going to be a failure. I don't believe that. And I want to really caution people about that. It's, it's about knowing yourself. And, and I will say this just as, as a caveat on meditation, there's enough research to show that two to three minute micro meditation practices are much more effective than 30 to 60 minute sits. And there's only mm -hmm. at certain levels. I mean, there's, there's some really, really influential people who have spent years like expert, expert, expert meditators that can achieve success at those super long 60, 90 minute meditation sits for most people. It's ineffective of doing that. So that's why micro micro bursts, if you will, micro meditation practices are much more effective. So anyway, long, long way to answer your question. Absolutely. <laughs> I know. I love it. I love it. I know. I find myself, like you said, the five to 10 minute range. And then I start to wander. I start to think about my schedule. And I'm like, this is the whole point of why. Yeah, I, but what you're doing, <laughs> do this, let so. me just kind of give I, you a little, a little tip around that. In neuroplasticity, neuroplasticity yeah. is, is new research that shows that your brain can change and what there are different brain regions that really focus on different things. And the old school of thought is as you mm -hmm. age, you lose brain cells and you, that's just part of it. And it's not so much the age that happens. It's the lack of, of really challenging your brain and using it that causes that. So from a neuroplasticity perspective, yeah. when you meditate and you catch yourself exactly what you just said, you catch yourself going, oh my gosh, now I'm thinking about, you know, got to take the dog out and I've got to, you know, I'm thinking about all the things I've got on my to-do list. Just the pure fact that you catch yourself, that's called meta attention. The fact that you catch yourself strengthens mm. neural pathways in your brain and it, it enhances those those circuits in those different parts. So that's actually a very good thing. So when you're meditating and, and oh, it's wow. fine if you want to, if you want to say I want to meditate for 10 minutes, the every single time you catch yourself, go, ah, 
I caught myself and then let that thought go and then go back to focusing on either your breath or the movement of your ribs or your belly that will get you back in a focus. And then the moment again, that your brain starts to wander and you start thinking about it, just smile and go, huh? It's kind of like the cloud moving or the, a wave coming in and out. Just notice it and then let it go. And then go back to what you were oh, trying wow. to focus on. Uh, you know, some people put a flame in front of them or a mat, like the, the vision of a match, whatever you can focus on, but bra your brain wandering, that's not a bad thing. And catching it is a really good thing. Yes. Well, that's reassuring. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That is so reassuring. And I know for you, I could sit and talk about this all day too, but obviously we've, we've got <laughs> time on our, on our side here, but do you have, I guess, do you have any advice for the average person who's, who's maybe getting started out doing neuroscience or mindfulness or any advice that you have for, for those listeners out there that are just trying to That's a really, really great question. And yes, there's a, a gazillion resources you know, I think, I think piggybacking from what I just said is probably really powerful. Just being easy on yourself and just learning to let things go, learning that to sit in complete silence with no thought in your head for an hour is an impossibility for 99% of the population. So once again, we're trained to really beat ourselves up and, you know, we're doing it wrong and, it just, I don't believe in that. So number one, self-compassion. If there's one skill that you really, really want to focus on quickly that can help achieve harmony, it's self-compassion. Self-compassion can be a form of, of mindfulness and meditation and just really learning, learning that, learning how to feel, learning how to just mm -hmm. reflect. So journaling, really specific journaling can help. Um, but just, just simple, simple things, little bitty things that you can do. Um, and just, just anchoring there's, there's neuro coaching techniques that we go through and it's really called an anchoring of a thought and an, an, an intention. And there's ways that you can do that. Similarly to what we were just talking about with your brain when you start to wander during a meditation, but just throughout the day, just asking yourself, what is my deepest value? And what is my intention for the day? My in those are going to change all, all constantly. My my intuition may tell me right now that my deepest value is um, if I just, if I just take a deep breath and kind of think about it. Um, well, I'll do that for you, Leslie take just just take three deep breaths yeah. and just allow yourself your mind to wander and just do it whatever pace that suits you three deep breaths and then ask yourself what is your deepest value right now
And then Good. I immediately became calm. That's for sure. Well, can you connect? <laughs> can you can you name that value that you felt? I think with my initial thought with everything kind of going on in the last few months is mm -hmm. the simple phrase, I guess, just to be. And I think, you know, my husband and I have been talking a lot in the quarantine and it immediately came to mind with the deep breathing is just to be in the moment. And, you know, I think I, for so long have just moved and moved and moved and moved and moved and did and hustled and did and hustled that sometimes I kind of forgot to check in and reassess, is this really what I want to do? How is this affecting the people around me? And I think slowing down for the last two months has allowed me to check in and I think what initially came into my mind was the just be. And for me, slowing down has been like my greatest value because I think I've been more. That's beautiful. So that's, that's exactly what it's about. And so you gave yourself space to be able to feel that. And then, so now you can set your intention and that intention might be just to have more presence you know, and, and that, can, that can change every day and that's okay. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, my, my biggest advice to anyone that wants to just get started is, is just do just get started. And one little thing you can do every day can make a big, big impact. And there's, there's micro practices and, and micro things that can be done. And, um, once I get through my 77 day mindfulness journey posting that I'm doing, I'm going to assemble that mm -hmm. and uh, package it all together in a, in a, in a way that anybody can grab, but we have a, so many other, other things that we can, we can yes. do and show and give. So I'm happy to help anybody. Um, you know, even if it's just what's one little thing that somebody can do to be more effective I, you know, I'm happy to, to do anything that can help that. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's everything super, super simple you? for me. Heather J. Kreider, heatherjkreider.com. Uh, all my social media is Heather J. Kreider. And then as you mentioned, my podcast is Go Reflect Yourself. So I'm happy to offer a 15, 20 minutes kind of a, a just a discussion on what obstacles and roadblocks might be and some simple tools that can help get through them. Yes. Awesome. I think it would be well worth it for anybody that's looking to just enhance everyday quality of life. And I thought to end, I was just looking through some of your quotes that you had and one of my favorites was, everyone wants to live a happier and more productive life. Starting from within is the key. So I thought we would kind of sum up the whole podcast with one of your quotes that I thought would. Yes, thank you. I really so appreciate people. it. And yeah, I'll just kind of echo that and to say, if you go, if you do not go within, you will go without 
all, we have so much power within us. And if we can just yeah. tap into it, we can live more fulfilled, happier lives. I love it. Well, thank you so much. My Heather. pleasure. It's such all a pleasure mine. Having thank you, you so much and good luck. And I just, I love what you're doing. And Absolutely. I, I would love that. touch base so. soon in person. You too, Leslie. Thank you awesome. so much. We have a wonderful day. I'll talk all to right. you soon. Bye. I really enjoyed this episode today with Heather Kreider, and I hope you did as well. We would love to hear your thoughts and feedback on the episode over on Instagram. Take a picture or video, leave a message, and be sure to tag us at Mighty Talks and at Heather J. Kreider on what you loved and how you are using the information from today's episode to enhance well-being and overall quality of life. And for more information on the Mighty Talks podcast, head over to our website, mightytalks.com. Have a fabulous week. We'll see you next time.